How about this fucking team right here? Dustin Brown, short-handed for LA. Score! Here is Goligoski. He gets leveled at the blue line by Dowdy. Food for it, cheer for uh, Kind of like it. Richard throws it in front. Carter, score! some swagger. Push come to shove, we're going to get it done. This is for you, Kings fans, wherever you may be. It has been like two months, but we're back for Thanks Bud stuff. We had to talk about all of the crap that has happened, specifically talking about all of the problems that we have with Dean Lombardi and the way that he has let us down pretty much every time he's opened his mouth the past year. Um, so we have, I'm excited because we have an extra person on the podcast today, actually, Shayna Naomi, who has written for Thanks Bud before and who is a dear friend of ours, is here today to help talk crap about Dean Lombardi because it's important to bring <laughs> as many people in as possible. So um, first, Shayna, how are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Of course. Um, and of course, Diane is here. Diane, say hello to the people. Hello, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we've all got um, lots of anger, and we'll get it out. Um, I guess I guess we can sort of start with the fact that just mentioning today, Mike Richards, it is final. He is no longer an LA King, um, and the big narrative line coming out of that, of course, is still like his loyal Dean Lombardi's loyalty did him in, and he you know, his own quote was, it could be the worst decision I've ever made, but for all the right reasons. But I also feel like that idea of loyalty and whatnot is sort of at this point, a line that I'm kind of tired of hearing and also buying from Dean Lombardi because of everything else he's done with regard to other players. Um, I don't know. Do you guys? It's, It's loyalty only to the people that he thinks deserves loyalty. You know, it's not like loyalty across the board. It's just like, oh no, you in particular person deserve loyalty and like kind of stringing that along as some like king's you know overarching like idea but that's not always the case yeah and i would say i first of all i totally lied when i said i was doing good today what i meant to say was i am devastated by mike richards (laughs) being traded um and i agree i think the problem with that loyalty narrative is if we buy that if we buy that this idea that he was so loyal to Mike Richards that he just couldn't possibly give him up, then I feel like you have to buy into the rest of the Lombardi loyalty, which, you know, as far as we've seen, chiefly includes Slava Voinov. And that's not a narrative I'm interested in. It may be true. And I think, you know, maybe that's the problem is we just need to listen to that that's what he's been saying. I mean, Lombardi, who said it's a shame that all of this is happening with Voinov, but never said it was a shame what he may or may not have done. I think, you know, it's hard to buy that Lombardi is just too loyal to trade away his favorite players unless you're going to kind of buy in wholesale, which I don't want to do anymore. Yeah, I'm tired of that. Uh, I think in particular because like the Voinov thing happened at the beginning of the season. So it was like, here's this huge, it should have been an opportunity, I think, for the Kings to be the leaders they claim to want to be all the time. And then the organization pretty much ran from it. And Lombardi at first made that one good comment about like, we dropped the ball early on and how do we not see this? And then from there it was like, oh, but it's going to ruin Voinov's career. And you know, it's, he's been out. I hated. I think it was in the middle of the season where he was like both Tanner Pearson and Slava Voinov have just been out longer than we expected. And it's like, you know what? Stop doing that. Shut up, please. And he hasn't really gotten any better since then. So yeah, it's frustrating now that you want to like 
have me buy into this thing for Mike Richards or whatever when you haven't ever addressed anything serious or or shown that that loyalty extends to the fans who are like, look, we have some real concerns. Could you please address them ever at all? As sad as I am about Mike Richards being traded, though, I'm kind of or not traded, but put on waivers and then eventually being bought out. I'm kind of glad that all of this is done. Like, for as long as it's been, like, being strung along as to, like, what's going to happen, like, so on and so forth, I, like, I'm kind of glad that we're done with delaying the inevitable and we can all move on. Like, us as fans and probably Mike Richards as well, who's like, okay, I know what's happening now. Well, and because not doing it at this time last year was clearly the indication that, I think that was, like, the first major red flag that all of this decision-making had kind of gone off the rails, Right. Because even even as a fan of Richards, it was really hard to look at that moment a year ago and figure out why in the world that seemed like a better idea. Right. Right. The other piece of this, well, kind of, um, because now like this, the next couple of weeks are all about the Kings who won't be coming back to the team. And so Mike Richards is one of them. We also have, of course, Jared Stoll, who for it was questionable, like in the middle of the season, if they would try to bring him back. He's super not coming back now <laughs> because... <laughs> Dude went to Vegas and partied too hard and accidentally got stuck holding the drugs and then got caught. So, but that was another thing that was really frustrating about Dean Lombardi because he showed way like more emotion and seeming like concern about Dar- Jarrett Stoll making the Kings look bad for that. It's like, oh, I can't believe he did cocaine and Molly. How horrible. <laughs> I can't believe that it was anyone ever thought it was acceptable to mention that and Voinoff in the same sentence. As yeah. if the idea of off-ice issues was somehow equivalent. Like, that was so incredibly offensive to me every time it was bundled together, whether in a news report or in their own comments. Like, not even just in the way that reporters would ask them, but they would, you know, team personnel, including Lombardi, would bring it up together as if these were somehow equivalent. Like, you've got someone who's accused of felony domestic violence um, and someone who, like, literally made a dumb decision. Like, Mm -hmm. I feel like the list of things that I am morally outraged at Jared Stoll for, which I've been making this list as an actual list because Lombardi was so over the top about it. But I feel like, you know, Jared Stoll did something dumb. Like he went and partied and he clearly didn't do it with the right people who were going to make sure that that didn't come back to haunt him. And Mm -hmm. he got lucky, but it's hard to even say he got lucky. Like I grew up in Nevada, Nevada drug laws have been incredibly intense and they're only starting to get slightly less draconian so he's super lucked out in terms of coming out of that situation with community service and not a felony which was totally possible um but it's hard to cheer anyone not kind of you know the way the drug laws are so stupid anyway that i think it's it this is how the legal system should work it didn't make any sense for soul to have a more serious you know charge or penalty and i'm glad that that's how it wound up and it's also like who cares the season was over he went to vegas i mean if i'm his girlfriend i might care about why he's going to party with you know supposedly a bunch of ecstasy and a bunch of other people right I think for me, like I was making this list yesterday of things I would be more morally outraged at the level that Lombardi seemed to be about Stoll. You know, like if Jared Stoll had gotten a ticket for littering or watering his lawn <laughs> yeah. in the middle of a drought or deciding not to get his pet spayed or neutered, I would be more upset about any of those things than I am about the fact that he got caught with some coke. Like, yeah. I, and I just don't understand like how profoundly out of touch, particularly in California you have to be to think that what Stoll did was like such a deep grave disappointment to your team. 
I had to literally like look at the internet for a bit to make sure that I wasn't like being totally crazy being like wait I'm not okay so he got caught with drugs and like I was still waiting for like what else yeah. happened that I should be horribly offended by because I'm like I'm pretty sure I watched someone do a line the other day because this is like I don't know if it's just like me in my 20s or whatever but it just didn't seem like a big deal. It wasn't a big deal. Like it just, so, it I, I, I like had deal. to make he sure that I was like anyone. He didn't <laughs> threaten anyone. I bet he didn't even actually stand there and say, "Do you know who I am? Do you know?" Like it was, <laughs> it was like the most victimless crime possible. That it's like ridiculous to even consider it actually being a crime. And you know, like I'm I'm sort of sorry to see him leave the Kings, but I really like the degree to which I do not give a shit about this drug charge. <laughs> I just can't overestimate. Yeah, and I, lo- I just want to read actually what Katie Strang wrote in her article, which was a really interesting article, but of course is like included Lombardi being way over the top about Stoll. And I love this paragraph. Um, I think it's the one we tweeted too, but it says Lombardi cried when he finally sat down with Stoll after Stoll's arrest, absolutely gutted, not by the mistake itself, but by the betrayal of trust that it signified. Lombardi had tabbed Stoll as one of the team's most important leaders. Lombardi said he couldn't function for four days. He questioned his own judgment. Why are you doing the most, Dean Lombardi, about this charge that doesn't really matter? I, I just wanted to yell, like, hold it together. Like, you couldn't function for four days? Seriously? Yeah, I have, like, you questioning know, I everything like... you know about yourself personally, like this one thing that seems so over the top. It is unbelievable. That quote just makes me want to say Dean Lombardi is a liar. Like, yeah. I don't believe that, and it makes me not believe anything else he said, which is really disappointing. Like, I'd like to believe anything he says. Like, I'd like to believe most of what he says. When he says things like that, it's hard to believe any of it, right? Because it's so ridiculous. And it's like, it's like that uncle you have who just constantly goes on and on about how amazing you are and how it's like you just stop believing any of it because it makes no sense. Right. Yep. Not that you're not awesome. And then like on the, on the flip side, I mean, because I think the other thing still is part of the reason why it was so hard to read that and have those quotes from him about Stolen whatnot was because he hadn't really addressed more serious things. When it was Voinov, the quotes that we got from him were him talking about how he had to reread a book about a 49ers dude who he really looked up to and it just hadn't occurred to him that domestic violence might be a problem until he reread this book. Why are you so clueless? Why is this happening? Why is Stoll's thing weighing on you so heavily, but you just didn't even think about other issues, um, more serious, violent issues that could be that that could affect your team? I I found it so frustrating. It's even frustrating now because I know in that same article, he talks about how he reached out to several groups um, to like form some sort of partnership. Obviously, this is all after the fact, so maybe a little too late, uh, too little too late, but um, a lot of it has to do with, you know, uh, providing appropriate resources and education and maybe a marriage cl- counselor. Um, but the, the note was to make sure the players have adequate support, which yeah. is, I mean, the education part, yes, that's obviously very good, but I would also like something for, you know, the wives, the girlfriends, significant others, what have you, to have the support that they need, like, separate from, like, the players. Because that's obviously only caring about reputation, like, you know, what's on the line or like people's perception of them and not like dealing with the actual problem. And I think also just the, 
the ongoing missed opportunity that this team has had to really raise the profile around domestic violence and talk really honestly about it. I mean, one of their major corporate sponsors is Verizon, who is actually a company that is almost bizarrely truly committed to talking about it as part of their support of the National Domestic Violence Hotline and the Hopeline and the programs that they have to donate your phones. Like, they already had, it, it didn't, why did it take them until now to talk about bringing in organizations to talk to their team? Why has it taken them this entire season, essentially, to get to a point where they're even sort of talking about how they need to have fold education into this, when this is something that could have become a major... I mean, the way that they talked about it when they initially handled the suspension as if, you know, here's the NHL stepping up and doing what the NFL should have done and taking swift action and really, you know, getting ahead of this. And then they did nothing. Mm -hmm. And to me, I think just going back again to that question of like how many things have been squandered this season, such a lost opportunity to raise the profile of the issue and really be candid and frank in all of the ways that I think we really admired about when they would talk about the Kings and their sort of commitment and how hard they worked and how, you know, they weren't going to go away easily. All of the same leadership attributes and characteristics that I think made us love the team so much could have been really put into play this season and instead just weren't. Yeah. <laughs> but, sorry. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I think, I mean, I think it's that feeling, too, of, like, the constant disappointment where I'm like, please just give me something to feel good about, <laughs> that you were doing something right, or at least trying. And I, I don't know, like, finally, Voinov's trial is happening very soon, so they won't have the sort of, like, let the legal process play out thing to hide behind it all. And we know that they are going to work with peace over violence and maybe maybe finally we will start to hear more from them about what they plan to do in actual detail but who knows at this point oh, one thing i really don't forget that since uh voinoff managed to injure himself on oh, the right, ice in right. a non-hockey capacity that they did also suspend him yes there is that like they finally were like oh we'll suspend voinoff but it actually has nothing to do with his felony charges or anything no. we just want to use his money to sign some more players um, one nice thing from that article was the fact that uh, there was a quote where Dustin Brown said that he admitted that he had tough conversations with his wife, Nicole, about the Voinov situation, specifically wondering what they would do if that had been them. Um, yes. And so I very much appreciate that he took this as like a learning opportunity, talked to his wife about it. And uh, that just like reinforces how much I like Brown as a leader both on the ice, but also off the ice as to making sure everyone's okay and touching base. And the fact that he didn't sweep any of this under the rug, but was just like, we need to take a, you know, a deeper look at this. Um, I really appreciate that. That, that quote kind of blew my mind. Like, I feel like I spent like three days wandering on being like, what is it like to sit at a table with Nicole Brown and Dustin Brown and have a conversation about domestic violence? Like, I can't, I can't even wrap my brain around it, but I really respect that, and then it was presented as like, this is a hard conversation. Like, it should be a hard conversation. Like, there's nothing about it that should be an easy platitude of just like, well, you know, just don't do that. Like, right. obviously, like, it should be a hard conversation. And that I'm so glad you remember that, Diane, because that was that was definitely one thing that made me remember like, okay, well, even if this is frustrating about Lombardi, that doesn't necessarily mean that that is something that I should carry on to how I think about necessarily everyone else involved in the team yeah i would also um to add to that in the middle of the year they work 
with that adopt a family thing every year for Christmas. And that particular program focuses on helping and preventing violence, um, child abuse and whatnot in homes. And the Kings, I remember they did like a quick little King's vision type of thing in it, but the guy, the director of it mentioned that they have a set amount of families that they do every year. But this past season, they got a lot of um, encouragement from the players of wanting to up that number, um, the number of families that they helped. So it seems like even even if organization is not really giving very much to the fans, that there might be people on that team, um, you know, and within uh, the organization who can't say anything or whatever, who seem really concerned and want to have those conversations. So I hope that eventually they'll actually be able to say more if they've been told not to because of the legal process or whatever, which is a lame reason, but maybe that'll change. Um, so yeah, Dean Lombardi, disappointment. Everybody else, maybe not. Although actually there is one more thing that I want to mention from that article because that article really was pretty amazing as t- like an insight into what was going on. Um, and I, I know that we tweeted about it, but I feel like we should just giggle about it again, that it's now called the now infamous trash can incident. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because that is something happier to talk about, but also <laughs> phenomenal that like the Tampa trash can incident or like. Was there like a, you know, something else that happened? And he says that it happens frequently. So I'm like, okay, what else happened and where? I need all of the details. Like, was there some sort of like uh, Vancouver hallway scene? Like, or like a suit jacket rump? Like, I don't know. What's whatever ridiculous name that they would call it. Um, I love that they have these weird sort of like insular, like get it together things where they block everyone out. Um, That's kind of great. That was a that was a fun little I insight like there. Imagining that Daryl Sutter like saw those and was like, "Ugh, not this again." Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> he just turns around. He just like spins back around in the hallway and is like, "Not tonight, I guess." <laughs> oh yeah, I did really like that ESPN article. Um, Katie Strain did a really good job, and I'm glad that we started to get at least a little bit of a little bit of insight into what the Kings are doing during the off season. But I hope for so much more. Please, please. Uh, we could also talk about how I inadvertently uh, got in a minor, I don't want to say it was a Twitter war, so I'll just call it a small skirmish uh, with Bailey the lion. Yes. Which is just a thing that I had to say. Like, yeah. I had a Twitter fight with a mascot, uh, which wasn't really like, a fight, but I felt like really contributed still to this like sense of frustration with the Kings and like, why can't you just get it, team? Which was, uh, you know, that both my wife and I tweeted about how, you know, it was disappointing last year uh, and for the three years before that, that the Kings have made the Western Conference Finals or farther than that. Um, the team has still been playing or it's literally been like the day after the team stopped playing when L.A. Um, LGBT pride happened here in Los Angeles. Um, L.A. pride is two weeks before. Uh, Pride is in New York and San Francisco and Toronto and these other cities. So it is definitely earlier in the season and tends to overlap with the very end of the playoffs. So in the last three years, as all of these other uh, teams started to have more collaborations and to go out to their local community Pride parades and their mascots would go and their players would go in some case and um, team staff and you were even we're taping this today and they're in Toronto and so many folks are out. It's great. Uh, you know, I felt like it was fine to kind of give the Kings a pass on like not being at Pride because they were busy making sure they got to have their own parade. And that to me was about as legitimate an excuse as you can have. This year, of course, 
we were done significantly before <laughs> the LA gay pride season. And and so at various points over the, you know, couple weeks before, both my wife and I had tweeted like, "Hey, I hope we maybe we'll see the Kings this year." Like, I don't again, I don't at all I'm not concerned about whether someone like Dustin Brown understands why it's an important issue. I think he has been incredibly eloquent. You know, I wrote a piece for Thanks Bud about how he and Ben Scrivens, who was a king at the time, were literally two out of three players, the only NHL players who were willing to go on camera for a TSN documentary and talk about homophobia, which is absurd and disappointing in the larger sense, but made me very proud of Dustin Brown in particular. I was like, maybe Dustin Brown, maybe Bailey, maybe other folks from the team are going to you know, come participate this year, especially since so many guys seem to be sticking around in LA for the summer. Of course that didn't happen. <laughs> No one from the Kings was at the Pride Parade. At all. I mean, not not to say like no one was there. Maybe someone was there. No idea. No one was in the parade itself as an official representative of the Kings organization. And, you know, I tweeted sort of like a frustrated tweet about that uh, later in that afternoon and tagged Bailey and, and Brownie and, you know, the team in it. The only person who responded, weirdly enough, was Bailey, who immediately DM'd me to say, well, I wasn't invited. Uh, which okay. to me was a larger, <laughs> I was like, hey, what is happening right now? <laughs> yeah. and, you know, we had this kind of like whole back and forth in DM and I was like, do I share this? Like I'm feeling weirdly ethically conflicted, but it's a lion. It's a mascot. And I feel like he doesn't get it. And we finally kind of talked through the issue to a point where I felt comfortable coming back and sort of saying more publicly on Twitter, like, look, here's the conversation that I just had, which was with whoever it is that runs that account for whoever it is that's in that suit. Um, sorry that Bailey's not real. Like, oh, which no. just added a level <laughs> of like, spill this, this entire conversation of like having an argument with Big Bird. Like, <laughs> Like, about Snuffleupagus being real. And I was like, no, but you don't have to be invited. Like, there are hundreds of companies there that basically just want business from gay people right. who have spent time, money, and energy to put themselves in this parade. Like, this was a day where Channing Tatum and Matt Bomer were on a float promoting a movie so that people might come see Magic Mike XXL and and that you know like their studio paid for i presumably for them to be on a float in a parade so it wasn't like this isn't it's not an invitation only event nothing about pride is an invitation yeah. only event the whole point of it is everyone is welcome so we kind of went back and forth about that where it netted out and i guess just i would encourage everyone to share this with their friends in the area bailey would love love to attend any LGBT related event that you may be having. You just have to go to the website and fill out the same appearance form that I guess everyone else does. And I don't, I don't, I think I was kind of under the impression that cost money, but maybe it doesn't. Maybe it's just a scheduling thing. Bailey swears he is super excited to come to your gay birthday party or anniversary party or I don't know. I think maybe we should try to get him to go out on some like gay blind dates. I don't know. <laughs> He says he wants to go. Everyone, please think of some kind of fun gay activity and invite Bailey to join you because he says he would love to. Uh, and, and apparently they will look into what might it might take for them to get themselves invited to Pride next year. Um, and I also shared some information about, uh, you know, how other teams have been doing LGBT nights. Um, the Galaxy do a very popular night. Um, other hockey teams have done that. Um, so... 
you know, I don't, I don't have a huge amount of confidence and faith that this is going to become in any way a priority for the LA Kings, frankly. Um, but man, would I love to see a lot of pictures of Bailey at some incredibly gay parties. Please <laughs> take him to your local drag karaoke night. I don't know. Think about what it is. Maybe we'll think of a like thanks bud get together that you guys yeah. you guys are into that we can do. The thanks bud gay invitational. We talked about we're call. you know thanks bud gay prom. Bailey's totally. Come. <laughs> so that's what's <laughs> yes. gonna happen. <laughs> that's what's that's what we're gonna do. Um, so anyway, that's what happens when you apparently tag a lion in your semi angry tweet about pride. I, it's weird still to me that he just was like, I'm going to slide into your DMs and ask you about this. <laughs> it was so weird, Stella. It was so weird. Um, and it was like, I was really angry. But then at the same time, I had to kind of keep checking myself. Like, you can't, you you have someone here has to be like a grown up. Yeah. And not, I'm Scott, uh, in this situation. Oh, man. Uh, well, I'm glad that he at least seems open to it. But also, that's so weird. Like, okay, um, uh. It's a parade. Whatever. You don't have to be invited. What are you, what are you talking also, about? Also, I was definitely under the impression that mascots could pretty much go anywhere they want. <laughs> yeah. Like, with the of, like, getting through TSA. Like, you're, you're dressed, you're, like, dressed as, like, a six-foot lion in a uniform. What are the chances that there's, like, literally anywhere in L.A. that you couldn't just show up and they're going to let you in and let you, like, jump up and down? And, like, you can't even talk. So, yeah. I just. I, in my head, I certainly imagine that, that that was one of the perks of being a mascot is you sort of just get to crash any party you want. And people are like, yeah, there's a lion here. He's from the Kings. This is great. Like, cool. what, what have you ever needed an invitation to before? <laughs> you didn't wait for an invitation to your DMs. So there you go. He's <laughs> putting you on blast, Bailey. Sorry. <laughs> Gotta do it. You know what? Maybe we'll get married again now that we can get married everywhere. I and mean, we already got married. Bailey. Yeah. But if we definitely, if we get married again, I guess we'll invite Bailey. <laughs> yeah. We'll think about it. Yeah. Oh, that'd be so great. Oh my gosh. Uh, oh, I would, I, but really, I would love to see the Kings. Like you said, I don't have a whole lot of confidence that they will make it a priority either, but I would really like to see them be in How bad pride. is that that we're like sitting here talking about our lack of confidence in the Kings to inspire us when this yeah. is like a podcast and a blog that was basically came out of being to whatever extent inspired by and excited by this team yep it's it's been a sad year <laughs> sad year but well thanks for having me on <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> thanks for coming into our cry party it's been wonderful thank you for having me thank you for uh keeping it real for all the females out there and everyone else who's excited about trying to be excited about this sport and this team still we're gonna press on as best we can um, but yeah, I'm glad that you came on and I'm glad, I don't know, we should do this more because it was fun. Absolutely. Maybe in the future we'll get to just talk about happy stuff. That would be awesome. We could talk about, you know, there are a few things to be happy about. There's I'll let some. you guys carry on and talk about that. <laughs> Thanks again, okay. ma'am. Thanks for having you. me. Okay. Bye. Later. Bye. So we have spent a lot of time airing our grievances with Lombardi and um, because he is the leader, the president of the Kings with the team in general, we have a lot of issues, but you know, like Shana said, it's it's true. There are still some things to be excited about. But first, let's get through a couple of difficult things still first. <laughs> um, they did make one big trade, and it is for, or it was for, Milan Lucic from the Bruins. I actually don't know if it's Lucic or Lucic, whatever I've heard both. I think both. it's Lucic. I have no idea. Okay. Let's do Lucic. I like that. Me too. Um, so, yeah. Kings get Milan Lucic, which I don't think anybody really saw coming. I did it. There were suddenly rumors that 
he was available and that the Kings were among the top contenders to get him. It was very soon. All of a sudden, it's like, up, you know, LA Kings making a deal soon, have like in talks with uh, Lucic. I was like, whoa, when did. (laughs) And then I like had to scroll back, being like, did I miss like a whole series of like tweets that this was like an ongoing thing that was happening? Oh, no, it just like very suddenly came to fruition. It was really weird. But apparently, the Kings said after that they didn't really even like it didn't start to heat up or anything until like 11 30 the night before so it was pretty quick all around and first it was like rumors that he's available rumors that the kings run on him and there was a brief break because dougie hamilton actually got traded to the calgary flames but right after that it was like by the way lucci's just still going somewhere today guess what it's los angeles he's gone now (laughs) So, Milan Lucic and LA Kings, they're already jerseys that you can buy. It's very intense. Neither of us were excited because, as someone pointed out to us on Twitter in an earlier podcast, we called him a human spittoon. I, that hasn't really changed too much. <laughs> also, we should mention that uh, for Lucic, uh, Boston in return got, I'm just going to call him Luch because I have no idea how you actually pronounce his name. So, I'm just going <laughs> to stick with the nickname version of it and just roll with that. Oh, because your friends um, Yes. <laughs> so, um, so Boston got a uh, first round pick in this year's draft prospect, Colin Miller and Martin Jones, dear, no. dear, sweet Martin Jones, who apparently had been holding out during contract negotiations. Like he should have been signed ages ago, but they either money term, whatever it was, wasn't, you know, gelling with the Kings. So off he gets. Mm-hmm. A positive, one positive is that the Bruins actually retained some salary. So they kept $2.75 million. So the cap hit for one year of Milan Lucic on the Kings is $3.25 million. And then his contract is up and who knows what's going to happen after that. I presumably the reason why this was done is because they don't expect to resign Justin Williams, right? So they want another winger option. Also, Lucic is a natural left wing and... All right, fine. But it's like, yeah, this is a dude who, especially over the last couple of years of playing with the Bruins, as he's had a couple of... One season wasn't entirely disappointing, but last year for him, he struggled in, um, you know, on the score sheet anyway. And he reacted to that by, like, like in that Montreal series, threatening to kill some dude. You know, yeah, so a couple of quotes, of course. So when the Bruins were eliminated by the Canadians, in, in the handshake line, at this point, just, like, let it go. It's done. Like, shake hands and move on. And if you have shit to say, whatever, maybe do it later. But right then, he was, he said, I quote, I'm going to fucking kill you next year. Why would you say that to a person? And in, <laughs> and also in 2011, when he, like, totally steamrolled uh, Ryan Miller. Mm-hmm. I just like reading this quote because I love the idea that Ryan Miller just stuck around just to like put his two cents in. And the quote was, <laughs> I just stuck around because I wanted to say what a piece of shit I think Lucic is. 50 pounds on me and he runs me like that? It's unbelievable. <laughs> Everyone in the city sees him as a big, tough, solid player. I respected him for how hard he plays, but that was gutless. Gutless. Piece of shit. Like the fact that he just like stuck around to like... <laughs> to poke his nose in. I know. <laughs> and be like, by the way... Wait, but in general, I love, that's my favorite thing about Ryan Miller is his like random condemnation. No, not random. It's always with the reason. His condemnation of other players. Because let's not forget, Mike Richards is not a king anymore. (laughs) I know exactly what's coming up. (laughs) But one of my favorite things he's ever said was, of course, talking about Mike Richards and what do you call him? A serial killer? (laughs) So, I mean, and the Kings had that player. The Kings picked up Mike Richards. So that's, I will say that like, I'm not 
Like, I'll be totally honest. I'm not excited about Lucic being on the, the Kings team because of that reputation. I think, you know, the Kings have been, thankfully, sort of moving away from the, like, fighting all the time kind of thing. They seem to, they fight less and less every year. And, you know, they still have, like, Kyle Clifford, Jordan Nolan, but even Kyle Clifford, we have talked extensively on this podcast about him trying to evolve his role on the team and not just being a guy who will throw punches because he has to. So it is disheartening that they're acquiring a guy who, especially now, over the last couple of seasons, has lost a lot of respect on the ice because people don't just see him as a guy who plays on the edge, but as a guy who cheap shots constantly and then whines about it and whatnot. So that is why we're like not a fan of Lucic but at the same time I will say that it would be nice if he comes here and realizes the you know the Kings don't have a rivalry like what Boston has with the Montreal Canadiens where they just at least not anymore I mean kind of the Canucks but not really because they haven't really been competitive for the Kings um in recent years where like they get so heated that things fly off of fly off the handle constantly so maybe he'll get here and realize that and tone it down that would be nice but that's why it's like i have reservations to start yeah reservations for sure um because some of the constant comments you know all of them are going to vary throughout the board as to like whether this trade is good you know what someone's going to get out of it but a lot of them was like well good job like a western conference he's your problem now yeah and that doesn't make me feel the greatest no yeah about having him um on my team but i mean we'll see what's gonna happen there yeah it's hard i will say to his credit and this is why i'm trying to stay at least open-minded about what could happen is that you know the kings also at one point in time traded for daniel carcillo that is very true he's just as much of a mess on the ice but it has less talent (laughs) so (laughs) At least there is potential for Milan Lucic. You will probably see time with Andre Kopitar or with Jeff Carter, you know, as a top six guy. And, ha- you know, still a pretty, you know, decent possession dude. And this is, again, a Kings team that made Robin Regeer a positive possession dude. So he has an opportunity to really succeed on this team. And I hope he does. So I will give him credit for that. Like, it could be much worse. At least he has the potential to provide. And it's only for a year. So if it doesn't work out, he, you know, the Kings could just let him go. Right. Um, I'm very confused about the whole Jones going to a Boston thing because if he is trying to get out from under the shadow of Jonathan Quick, who's obviously going to be the Kings number one for a very long time, um, he went to Boston to, wait, behind Rath? Like, (laughs) There's even less of a chance of being a number less one. Less of a there. chance that that's going to happen. And they have, like, uh, Subban there. And so I'm just like, okay, sure, I guess. Maybe he's just going to be, like, a pawn to be flipped later. Um, but who knows? I think and their, um, their new GM, Don Sweeney, didn't commit to signing Martin Jones. I mean, it sounds like they, I guess, will. Because, like, even Martin Jones has at this point been like, I'm looking forward to the next chapter. Which I would hope indicates that he has heard some positive signs from them basically some positive things but he could get dealt again and that would be interesting if he like i don't know where would he end up though that's that's fun to think about (laughs) no idea there's been a lot of goalie movement though with uh, the trades and and whatnot um Mm -hmm. so i don't know maybe he's still going to be free floating in the wind he ends up in edmonton and he gets to play with connor mcdavid maybe so you never know Oh my gosh, can we just talk about that Taylor Hall tweet? For, a tweet. Can we just talk about that Taylor Hall tweet for a second? Because yeah, that was amazing. That was pretty amazing. Like, I know that he is, like, 
he's not dumb. He knows exactly what's going on. But I love how, like, well he kind of, like, toes the line in being... Like, if you read that without knowing, you'd be like, okay, what a nice sentiment. But (laughs) (laughs) with everything else that you know about the Oilers... It's such a subtle... Di- it's so great. Oh, it was beautiful. I have uh, it right In case here. anyone doesn't know, Taylor Hall, of course, said, Welcome to Edmonton, Connor. Don't mess up everything we've built the last five years. Hashtag future is bright. <laughs> what I a champ. <laughs> love it. I love that he can have, like, a sense of humor about all of it because I actually spend a lot of time worrying about Taylor Hall's happiness. Yeah, we always want to trade <laughs> Taylor Hall somewhere nicer so that he can you know, be on a Stanley Cup contender Look, um, and, like, I, be in the playoffs. But um, we're glad that he's at least all right for now. One of my favorite go-to jokes is talking about when the Kings win, win the Cup with Tanner Pearson as the future captain and the first person that he passes it to is Taylor Hall because he's never won it before. So I worry a lot about Taylor <laughs> Hall being really good and never getting to win anything. But maybe that'll change. They have Connor McDavid now. They got a new GM who they're making moves. Maybe it'll be okay. Maybe he'll see the playoffs at some point. I mean, he can go to a game. (laughs) Tickets aren't that expensive. He can go watch another team. He can go watch one. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) But yeah, I did love love that tweet. The Kings give up their first round pick, so they don't have any picks. They did make some good picks at the draft, though. At least I was proud of them for selecting with their first two picks in the second round and in the third round. Not a Canadian? Um, yeah, not a Canadian <laughs> player. Good job, Kings. They were both still huge. <laughs> they're still, like, unbelievably tall and large, <laughs> but at, they're not, like, good Western Canadian boys. Yeah. So, like, they gave up Colin Miller, but then um, I assume that's why they went first to draft a defenseman in Eric Turnak, who is from Slovakia and who um, doesn't speak a whole lot of English, but mentioned in his interviews that, you know, he was excited because the Kings had Marion Gabrick, and he also mentioned Sakara, but who knows if Sakara is staying around at this point. Um, and then the next one, um, Alexander Dur- Durgachev doesn't speak any English at all. So, but is like apparently a really like exciting forward to watch that people um, are really interested in. He's like a 6'4 guy, pretty big, 200 pounds or something. So yeah, that I thought was really appealing. I like the like they're mixing it up. We'll see what happens with those people because of course, you know, not that long ago they also with their first pick of a draft, um, they had taken Zikov, who hopefully will make it up to the NHL, and you know, if not at some point this next season, um, maybe the season after. Um, I, I would like to point out though that um, so John Rosen, LA Kings insider, did a little like recap with Mark Yannetti, who uh, is part of the amateur scouting for the Kings, about, you know, how the draft went for the Kings, essentially, and um, on the overall thoughts of the draft. He talks about how they're overall very happy, but he says these, or this is something that he said, we had no first round pick, and that's just the reality of competing for a cup. So you move on and you realize that now you have to hit. You have to find a shore. A Toffoli would be great, but you have to find a shore. You have to find a Martinez. You have to find a Miller. So go. So we go in with that mindset. I'm like, you had a Miller. Like, you could have just... Not. Yeah, you could have kept him. You could have kept him. <laughs> like, why go through the trouble of finding another one like him when you have him? Like, you I like that. You have to let him go. I, I love the na- like the specific examples. Like, I get, but it's just funny like to hear him say, a Toffoli would be great, mm-hmm. but if we could just find a Miller. <laughs> Uh, but that's also what I think. A Toffoli would be great. That's I think that every day of my life. Yes. Um, and speaking yeah. of that, 
wonderful, wonderful person. Something to be really excited about. He has signed a new two-year contract. <laughs> Rejoice. I bought myself a sweet treat on the way to work that day. I felt really <laughs> good about it. I celebrated. This is, of course, before we found out that they made a big trade. But the morning was real good. The morning and was great. A bridge deal, two years, um, $6.5 million total. So uh, cap hit per year of 3.25. And that is not bad for the for how important a piece Tyler Toffoli is supposed to be for this organization moving forward. Um, and of course, the Kings admitted afterwards, people had made like plenty of jokes about like people offer sheet Tyler Toffoli, but they did admit afterwards that they were a little worried about it. And they were glad that Tyler Toffoli came into the negotiation process being like, LA is where I want to be. I'm willing to take a shorter contract to make that happen. And so it got done pretty quickly. Yep, so that's good. And he just keeps keeps getting better and better and more confident um, in himself and also with his line mates. And like, because mm-hmm. you can basically place him with whoever and it turns out pretty all right. Um, and that's nothing but awesome for him as a player developing on his own, but also, you know, obviously him being a key member of the Kings. So I am very excited to see what these next two years bring. Yeah, I think it is because I feel like all of the headlines and stuff, and I, again, every time Dean Lombardi opens his mouth, I feel like he manages to find at least one disappointing thing to say. It is easy to feel down on the Kings, but there are, for me anyway, but there's plenty of, I think, little bright spots. Like Tyler DeFoley, amazing. We have made it no secret that we adore him. And also, like, you have to remember, like, next year, Tanner Pearson will be healthy again. So he'll be back in the lineup. You get to watch those two guys, like have really good chemistry and play really well off of each other. Um, Jeff Carter had an amazing season, which I think we've touched on a little bit, but I was reminded again because Jules from the Crown posted their uh, season review of him, and he just phenomenal. And, like, Jeff Carter's 30 years old, so who knows how long he will perform at that level. But I feel like for as disappointing as Mike Richards' time as the Kings turned out to be in all the numbers and whatnot – Jeff Carter has been the exact opposite of that. Like, that dude has been so good for this team and so mm-hmm. exciting to watch. And that includes last year. And, you know, that seventh line has the potential to be really good again. Yeah, I am consistently impressed with how consistent uh, Jeff Carter has been in terms of how good he's been, um, kind of being able to play in any situation. And I am, God, every day, I'm so happy that he's a king. Yeah, me too. Me too. Well, put on my Carter jersey and I'm like, yeah, this is great. (laughs) I find him also, I I find it amusing that he, um, the way he uses Twitter is still funny to me. (laughs) (laughs) Like, the random tweet that he sent out yesterday, I think it was, where he was like, my new shirt, it's whatever, whatever. And there was like an exclamation point at the end of every sentence, but in the picture, he looks stoic as hell. (laughs) Amazing. Quality. I'm really hoping that that chair that he was sitting in was a rocking chair because it, so. it looked like it had to have been. Gosh. It's like the most picturesque little porch. Um, <laughs> and he's like, it's the summer. He's like fully clothed in like a dress shirt <laughs> yeah. and slacks sitting on a porch. Um, but yeah, that was pretty, pretty, pretty phenomenal. Jeff Carter, low key Twitter artist. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> It's amazing. Tyler Toffoli not to be outdone. Yeah, true. Well-placed, okay, dad. Which I love because it plays right into the jokes that people have made on Twitter about, like, again, bringing up Jules from the Crown really quick because they had that amazing tweet where it was, like, kings and their children, and it was, like, real dads, and then (laughs) Jeff Carter, Tyler Toffoli. So way to play into uh, the narrative 
so to speak. Tyler Toffoli, wonderful work. Appreciate it. He knows what's up. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of other stuff that, I, that I'm really excited about. Jordan Wheel. Oh, yeah. So, the Manchester Monarchs, we didn't get to talk about it when it happened. They won the Calder Cup, which was awesome. <laughs> I'm really right. glad for them. Their last... Yeah, yeah. Last season as the Manchester Monarchs before they, this coming season, become the AHL Ontario Reign, they went all the way. It was amazing. They were the best team. They had, like, the best record in the entire league, and then they took it all the way to the end. I, I forget the exact year, but it had been a long time since the two, like, top-seeded uh, teams in the two conferences had met in the final. So they played Utica, which was a, the Vancouver Canucks AHL team, and um, beat them. Did really well, good stuff, and so now Jordan Wheel named MVP, and um, I'm really excited because if we lose Justin Williams, at least we have another little curly-haired man coming up <laughs> to the Kings to try to make an impact. Yeah, we saw him playing in like a rookie game back in the day, mm-hmm. and we really enjoyed him, and are very excited to see him. Hopefully, get a chance with the Kings. Yeah, som- sometime soon. Yeah, it's interesting because the Kings don't really have any prospects in uh, coming that are like immediately outstanding to people where they just want to talk about them all the time. Like, I can't wait till this person comes up or whatever. But that they seem to encourage a system where guys like Jordan Wheel do really strive to prove themselves. And he had a great year this past season with the Monarch. So I really would like to see him finally get that chance. And because the Kings are you know pushing up against the cap it it looks like it's gonna happen and i think it could be really fun yeah me too my only regret is that mike richards wasn't still in the ahl so he could go out a champion oh that would be so nice <laughs> yeah who, however you know who is a back-to-back champion jeff schultz yes it took me a second i you like set that up and i was like oh i know his name i know his name come on diane come on <laughs> and i got it <laughs> amazing all jeff schultz does is win it really is like he <laughs> Does he have anything else besides that Calder and that Stanley Cup? I don't think so. Okay, but either way, that's pretty fucking phenomenal. Like, what a way. Like, you get bought out, um, and then you come, you sign a pretty cheap contract, and it's like, oh, Stanley Cup. Oh, Calder Cup. No big deal. Yep. That was funny to me. I am also excited about the rain moving to the AHL team coming here, because I want to actually see these prospects. Like, every year after the draft, I realize, like, oh, I'm excited about all these new players, but then I'm like, oh, they're 18, we're not going to see them for a while. So maybe it doesn't matter. But now that they're actually in Southern California, maybe we can. I'm so excited to go to inland California more often. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sweet Aren't trip. Aren't you just amped? <laughs> I actually am really excited to go see more hockey. Um, I'm less excited about going to where they play. But, yeah, yeah. you know, that's fine. It'll be fun. It's cool. Just like how there's a game in Bakersfield soon. Yeah, what is that about? (laughs) Why would you do that? That was really confusing to me when it was announced. And a random preseason game in Bakersfield. All right. (laughs) I don't think it's going to work out quite the way that Frozen Fury does. Yeah, because a hub of, you know, fun and partying is not what I think of when I think of Bakersfield. (laughs) Bakersfield party town. Unless they also have condors that end up getting away. I can't imagine. Oh, yeah, that's true. Terribly exciting. That's an amazing clip. It still is. (laughs) To this very day. <laughs> so yeah, big stuff for the Monarchs. New, I'll just read off the names of the Kings draft picks from rounds two through seven. So um, you mentioned Eric Turnak, um, Alexander Durgachev, Austin Wagner, uh, Matt Schmalz, who looks like a stall brother, <laughs> um, but is not one. Uh, Chaz Redkop, 
and which is an amazing name. Yes, it is. and uh, Matt Roy, or I think it's I like Roy. how I like how everyone's like very confused as to whether it's Roy or Wa because <laughs> yeah. this is like the only time that you would be cons- like any other time. Like if I'm reading it in uh, this name in any other context, right? Yeah, it's like it's, it's Matt Roy, Roy. but. <laughs> With hockey, you're like, ah, I'm not entirely sure. I think it's Roy, um, who has a handsome <laughs> face, which is important to me because, you know, they've gotten rid of Martin Jones. you got to replace the handsome face. I have no idea what Matt Roy looks like, so I am not looking it up. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's, like, a get-to-know-him video from whatever. Oh, he is cute. Yeah, he's got a handsome face. And he's, like, 20 already, so. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like I'm like, this, this is teenager is hot. <laughs> yeah, so, uh a, a decent haul, I think. One also really cool thing about the draft is um, Andong Song. Oh, yeah. He's the first Chinese-born player to be drafted into the NHL, making, of course, NHL history. He goes to the Islanders. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's very cool because I think I read something where, like, 2.2 million people uh, tuned into the draft for him, like, in China. That's amazing. Which is phenomenal. I love like, it. Like, that's amazing. It's It's so good, of course. It's always a good opportunity to expand the sport into the Asian markets like that. Um, I guess East Asian markets like that. So that's very exciting. And I want nothing but wonderful things for him. Yeah. I feel like, you know, as two people who are not white, we (laughs) love to notice when, like, players of color get drafted or whatnot. So I feel like there was a nice nice haul (laughs) of not white players in the draft this year. It's totally true because I'm like, hey, there's an Asian person here. There are not a lot of Asians in hockey. It makes me feel slightly weird sometimes. (laughs) But I, like, even like it. Um, But... (laughs) So that's just, for me personally, kind of relieving. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's awesome. How do you feel about Connor McDavid? I am very happy for him, I suppose. (laughs) I mean, it went exactly as we all expected. True. Uh, McDavid went to the Oilers. Uh, Eichel went to the Sabres, which the Sabres actually did pretty well this whole, like, draft weekend. Grabbed some other people, got, like, Ryan O'Reilly and some other, other folks. So, I mean, good for them. Um, but yeah, I'm glad that Connor McDavid can be like, yeah, so when I play, instead of being like, oh, you know, if I play for the Oilers, mm-hmm. like, da 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 if I get chosen for, okay, buddy, you got chosen first overall, <laughs> yeah. going to the Oilers, let's just let's drop start it. your career. Yeah. Jack Eichel hasn't, still hasn't said whether he's going back to BU or going straight to the Sabres, but he did get drafted as expected as well. I am excited to watch the Sabres. I think that is a question that I have. Have any of the trades or anything that have happened made you excited about watching other teams? The Sabres actually is one of them, mm-hmm. is that I'm excited to see them. I can't really think of anyone else who made any significant move that makes me feel really jazzed about it. Yeah. Um... Uh, when is what's Noah Hannafin doing? Like, he's, is he, oh, he's going to the. I think he's, he's going to the Hurricanes, yeah. but is he staying a year doing something else? I don't. At least so far, I don't think he's ever mentioned that it, there was a possibility that he would go back to BU. So I assume he's just going to go into the Hurricane system. Um, if he does, I'm excited to watch him. Yeah, I want to see what Noah Hannafin does. Um, it'll be interesting seeing what is it, Eddie Lack? Yeah. Oh, right. Also now on the Hurricanes. Got sure. Yeah. Hurricanes yeah. are going to be a fun team. I, ha- I I will say also, just in general, I am still kind of buzzing about... I liked watching Tampa Bay during last year's, you know, regular season last year. And I think they did play pretty well, like, during the playoffs. They made it all the way to the final. And in general, I like so many of those players now that I'm still excited to watch them. Um, right. Hurricanes, Sabres, Tampa Bay Lightning, I'm still excited to watch. Um, the Islanders. Islanders, yeah. Garth Snow continues to seem like a very interesting person. Yeah. (laughs) Um, 
Um, also the Flames, actually, who, you know, like, I couldn't stand them last season because they had, like, terrible possession, but f- somehow rode a really high shooting percentage all the way to the second round of the playoffs. But I do think they continue to keep making moves to try to become more legitimate. Like, they have Dougie Hamilton now, who is going to, you know, young defenseman who could help them. Um, they keep making moves that make them interesting. So I'm actually curious to see how they do. Um, and speaking of the Flames, shout out to Yuri Hoodler for His having a notions. very entertaining uh, <laughs> Um, NHL award acceptance speech. Yeah. Because that was pretty great. Him and Jamie Benn. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. Um, varying wildly in lengths and content. Right. But uh, both stellar, stellar acceptance speeches. Oh, the NHL awards. What a strange that is, beast. I, I know a lot of people like watch it because they have to. I cannot bring myself to watch the NHL awards. No. I was still at work, luckily, so I didn't have to. But so I just got to see like the clips and things of the few entertaining things that people put up but just from looking at twitter as it was happening and everybody like the whole time is like this is terrible this is awful (laughs) i can't believe i'm watching this amazing (laughs) yeah i'm like oh i'm so glad this isn't my job god (laughs) no kings won any awards which is not really surprising because the kings unfortunately still on the west coast but also as individuals don't put up um outstanding numbers on offense so The only thing that could have happened um, was the winning of, why can't I think of the name of the award right now? Whatever Eric Carlson won. The Norris. Norris. Yeah. Um, Because Drew Doughty did beat him in terms of number one votes, Uh but overall did not. Yeah, that's strange. How do you beat him in? No idea. But that, that happened. And I guess it doesn't really matter in the end. Yeah, no. I don't um, care about individual awards, but I did I really find that don't. curious as a system yeah. thing. That's pretty strange. <laughs> but it's okay. We love Andre Kopitar. He's beautiful and wonderful. And he just had his first Father's Day, which made me, just thinking about that, made me really happy. <laughs> so, really, he's already won. Um, okay. Another trade that I, I'm going back to trades now, that I thought was kind of funny was Sam Gagne, oh, who yeah. seems just to be bouncing from team to team. It's like for Sam Gagne the uh, coyotes got chris pronger that deal is crazy and and some other people but like let's just talk about the fact that they took on someone who cannot play and has not played yeah for years let's talk about how they had to call department of player safety employee chris pronger and ask him (laughs) to waive his no movement clause he has another job i still find that so strange Uh, (laughs) what i feel like that's kind of like living the life right there yeah I know you're not thinking about it, but we technically still need to ask your permission. So, what's up? Would you mind being a coyote? Yeah. I guess. And go into the Hall of Fame as a coyote. And he's like, I don't care. I have another job. (laughs) Anyway, so I thought that that was pretty amusing. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, Sam Gagne. And did you see, like, the GM comments about how they were like, we don't think he can play at the NHL level for our team? Yeah, like, they they didn't feel like he could play as a center for them. Terrible. (laughs) He was their highest scoring center. (laughs) The Coyotes are trash last year, so what do you want from a proof? I once again now forget that the Coyotes exist because they've been just, like, terrible. The ongoing craziness with whether they're an actual NHL team mm-hmm. who's owning them, whatever, is just, like, I'm just so done with that already. Drama in Arizona. Yeah. I do feel bad for Sam Gagne because, like, he was a Tampa Bay Lightning player for three seconds. Then he became a Coyotes player and they didn't do anything and Tampa went to the final. Poor guy can't really catch a break. That's Sam Gagne. 
I have a feeling that him being traded from the Coyotes does not mean that the Coyotes will then go into the playoffs. So I'm sure he's all right this time yeah, around. Yeah, that he's fine. But I was thinking uh, about he's like getting a nice tour of America. True. True. <laughs> the United States. I was thinking about even like the year before though. There were those like rumors where it was very very close to him becoming an LA King, and the Kings went on to win the Stanley Cup. Yep. It's rough for him. But maybe he'll finally, like, his quote was devastatingly sad, where he told some reporter that he just wanted some stability because his wife is pregnant. <laughs> Poor Sam Gagne. Please. That's pretty rough. Just let him be still and play. Just for a year. For Come a on. Team. I also actually feel, because we were talking about, um, this is not a trade, but thinking about the awards, because Kopitar lost to Selkie to Bergeron. And Boston is now, like, trading away key players and whatnot. And they they want to still be able to make the playoffs, but who knows? And Bergeron, you know, clearly, like, he has won three Selkies in the last four years, I think it is. Dude is so good, and they are going to waste him. <laughs> They're going to waste him. I feel really bad. Oh, man. Yeah, that's going to be pretty unfortunate. I mean, he has the one cup, which is great, so it's not like he never got anything. But it's like... You have the, you know, the person that people have voted over and over again, the best defensive centerman, you know, all around guy. And you're just going to not put him in a position to contend for the Stanley Cup every year? All right. I mean, people talk about that with like Sidney Crosby, but I feel like a slightly underrated on the same path, Patrice Bergeron. Yeah. Just floundering there without anything to show for it. Yeah. Although he did make it to the final again. They, they just lost yes, to Chicago. That's true. That's true. But, yeah, but well, I mean, with like all of the trades that, yeah, you're right, all of the trades that Boston has currently made, um, I have Boston Bruins fans, or f- friends, Boston <laughs> Bruins fans, friends, damn it, who are kind of distraught as to what Sweeney's doing mm-hmm. in terms of just like taking apart their team and not really seeing, you know, decent returns for what they're trading away. So, yeah. Yeah, as, as like not so excited we are about the Lucic um, trade. Uh, I know a lot of people are miserable that he's gone from the, the Bruins. So it's I, I feel I don't I don't want to say I feel bad for Lucic, but I did find it interesting that like Kings fans are pretty divided on how they feel about him coming to the team. But he is like trying to be so upbeat. He's excited. He straight up told the press like I'm happy to go to LA because it gives me another chance to win the cup. Which I find at least, you know, props to you. I'm glad that you are excited to be in L.A. Goodness knows I love when people love to be in Los Angeles. But it's just, like, funny because he's stoked. (laughs) (laughs) And we're like, I don't know, maybe it'll work out. I don't know how I feel about you. And he's like, this is awesome. I think part of my problem with that, too, is that, like, obviously we've already noted about how he can be kind of, like, a baby about things. Mm -hmm. Um but the number of times that I've seen other people be like, oh, yeah, we like Lee Cheech for King, for the Kings. He brings so much grit. And I'm like, oh, God, I fucking yeah, hate Yeah, I don't grit. want grit. I would like more goals. Wrong G word. <laughs> <laughs> but I think he could bring a decent amount of goals. A lot of people expect him for the change of scene to um, really motivate him to have a really good year. Also, you know, already, again, a plus column. It's not like he's going to play on a line with Jared Stoll as his center. He'll probably play with the top six guys so uh it could be good i don't know <laughs> we're so skeptical i'm sure like if he starts scoring a bunch of goals i'll still not like him as a person maybe but <laughs> i'll be 
okay with it. I I just think that the Kings, like, gave up a lot. I would have liked someone in the first round of a very deep draft. Yeah. It's a lot to give up. I would feel better about it if they hadn't given up what they gave up for one year of him. I, I, yeah, I get that they're in, like, the win-now mentality, but the fact that, you know, that Sakara might not be back, the whole, like, Voinov being suspended, and, like, the whole thing could have used some prospective demon to that the Kings have already sort of trained up, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, which reminds me, we mentioned that Mike Richards had been bought out, but didn't talk about the details. So, he is bought out. His, he will count against the King's cap for ten years. <laughs> What the hell? Um, the he will be in our hearts and our checkbooks forever. <laughs> yeah. The third and fourth year, I think it is, will be the most difficult because that's when the biggest hit is. And it's um, a little over $4.2 million for the 2018-19 season and the 2019-20 season. Um, so, yeah, from 2015-16 to uh, 2024-25, Mike Richards. I'm, like, hoping that that's... I, like, know that that's coming in the future, but, like, fingers crossed, I know the Kings still have a good team to to win the Stanley Cup. We'll hope that they have won a cup by then. Yeah. Like, another one. So, if there has to be some sort of, like, hacking at the player core because of the fact that, you know, there's going to be a random $4.5 million cap hit, it'll be okay. Like, I'll feel better about it. Yeah. But- uh, so, that's, like, for future me to worry and stress about yeah so i have to say though that i had the exact same thought where i was like just win me another cup and it'll be fine but then i had to think about like how shitty that sounds (laughs) (laughs) you won two cups in three years but now i need another one and then maybe i'll be okay (laughs) with this buyout situation yeah please uh just satisfy me as a random fan (laughs) Me personally. With three cups, because two is not enough. Yeah, pretty much. Do what uh, I have a friend that who, who's a Giants fan. So they're like, yeah, you guys can just do the same thing that we're doing, you know, winning World Series for the even years. You can do that with the Stanley Cup. I'm like, all right, um, just hop, hot potato it back. Yeah, and I'm like, cool, win that cup in 2016. At the same time, though, like, I did feel like the playoffs this year were super – like, they had very few surprises. Overall, it was kind of like we all saw Chicago winning. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and even, like, people, it wasn't necessarily a guarantee who would have made it out the East, but a lot of people had put, you know, including myself, had put, like, the Tampa Bay Lightning in the final. So it wasn't really, it shouldn't have been a surprise that they made it there. So in that way, I'm like, I would like the playoffs, the postseason to actually be something where it's like, I don't know what's going to happen. But at the same time, I would love for the Kings to win another cup. So... Yeah, I'm fine with it just being very predictable next season. Right, yeah. As long as it's predicted that the Kings are going to, like, go far. In the <laughs> yeah. First, let's make the postseason. All right, I have to lower my standards. Right, right. First, <laughs> make the fucking postseason. Don't inch in at the last couple of games. You know, steady ride right in there. Yeah. That's actually, that's, I've decided that is uh, Lucic's, like, challenge for next year, is that he scores enough goals that the Kings aren't still waiting to clinch a spot down to the last second. Yeah. That could be his contribution to this team. Help. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, yeah, that sad little help at the end there. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was just thinking about how, okay, so last year when we, now I'm just, like, idly thinking about whatever comes into my brain, obviously. Um, but last year when we went to Frozen Fury, yeah. we went to Hakkasan, I guess, for mm-hmm. funsies, and saw Martin Jones just, like, white boy dancing up a storm. True. And we won't get to see that this year. Oh, I'm going to miss Martin Jones. That's really deeply upsetting to me. I'm going to miss him. Oh, which is, like, weird because he was only 
at least at the NHL level for what a year and a half. But I grew very fond of him. Yeah, I like him. That's rough. Um, the Kings, I guess. Speaking of that, it it's I think it's unlikely that they trade for a backup goaltender because J.F. Barube has done a really good job in the AHL. Again, the you know Monarchs won the Calder Cup, so he'll probably back up Jonathan Quick and. It's not like the Kings have to worry about who's going to be their backup or anything, but it is still just like, can't really get attached to anybody. Not in that backup goalie position. I think the the Kings are just running some sort of like intense like goalie training um, behind <laughs> Jonathan Quick. Like, build someone up for a couple years and then just send them off into the the like real world. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like the NHL world to go like start for someone else or like do something uh, somewhere else because Quick is, you know, here to stay for a while. Yeah. So. That's who they have hitched their wagon to. Yep. It's going to be an interesting few years, I think, because also by the time that like that major Richards cap hit, you know, really affects the Kings, all of those guys who are part of the core will be three years older and they're all like hitting that 30 mark now. So I don't know. We'll see. But that's three years from now. At least for next year, I think the Kings actually still have earned a pretty good position. They still need to figure out defense if they're not going to re-sign Sakara, but I think I think they have a lot of potential for next season. I'm not really worried about it, even though it will take a minute to get used to the change. Right. But hopefully. I'm ready for hockey to come back. Me too. <laughs> Jesus. I'm like counting down until October so we can just see like a, a preseason game. I know. It was like disappointing to have the Kings go out, you know, before the postseason. But then it was like, oh, I still have to wait two months before this before it's the off season. <laughs> this is terrible. I can't even remember- really start my countdown yet. Do you remember when we kept complaining about how we chose to do a podcast after every um, playoff game? And we were like, God, this is this is awful. Like, it's not awful. We love talking about the Kings. But it's obviously a lot of work. It's a lot of time. So much like, oh, we, all, we barely got a summer break and like we're right back into the season. We had it so good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how dare you look that gift horse in the mouth? Much prefer that. And then like, to be fair, we could probably, I don't know, at least like still write stuff or whatever. We haven't been, it's, I think it's been good for us to take the time off, but yeah. I do at this point, I'm like, it's been two months. What's up? <laughs> Let's I, I feel like it's good. Cause I, I kind of like cut myself off from like hockey for a little bit and, but I'm like getting more and more excited about it. Yeah. You know, I'm less burnt out about the fact that I consume so much hockey information. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, the season's going to be good. Yeah. Yeah. So now we just have to, we still have some sadness to get through because free agency is coming. And now are, I don't know what to expect. <laughs> all, but I feel like we're still like almost certainly saying goodbye to Justin Williams. Yeah. And so there's still a little bit of heartbreak. But from there, I think the Kings, it'll be interesting to see what they do on defense and I don't know. I, th- I think there are still some reasons to be excited about this team, even as we're frustrated with the organization. Yeah, there's definitely a lot to be excited about. Um, a lot of the negative, or at least a lot of what we think are kind of the negatives have been kind of piling on top of each other, and we haven't had a chance to really vent it, I suppose. Yeah. Um, so it does come off as we're just like being whiny little babies about a lot of things. But obviously, we think that the Kings have plenty of potential still a bright future still lots of good to look forward to mm-hmm. but yeah the there are a few things that do kind of uh, bother us just a bit yeah but overall i mean we're still here yeah <laughs> so we're still chomping at the bit to talk about the kings every week for real all right 
Okay, we're, we've been doing this for over an hour, so I guess we should wrap it up. Or we'll be excited for hockey to come back, for Frozen Fury to happen or whatever. I am super excited to eventually finally be able to lay the 2014-15 season to rest. It sucks. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, I'm still excited about... I'm ready for this to be over. Yeah. yeah. Still excited about the next season. It's going to be good. We will talk to you guys soon. As always, take care of yourselves. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time. Bye, friends. Bye, guys.